our feet. We're going to go direct to the word of the Lord here this morning. God is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. I'm thankful that God is, uh, he still cares about us. Amen. He still loves us. And uh, as they said, where would I be without the Lord? Amen. On my side. Give me a moment here. Amen. Uh, but it's good to be back in the house of the Lord on, on this Sunday morning. And uh, to feel the, the touch of God, the Holy Ghost, that is here in this house. Amen. I'm going to direct your attention this morning to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 22. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 22. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Isaiah 49 and 22 says, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles. Amen. That's us. I'm thankful that God lifted his hand up towards us. And set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Verse 24 says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Amen. This is a a word through the lips of the prophet Isaiah. Amen. Through the pen of the prophet Isaiah. Amen. A message of hope, a message of deliverance. And my title this morning is Coming Out of Captivity. Coming Out of Captivity. Amen. Jesus, we thank you once more for the word. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to come to the house of God. We thank you, Lord, for a preacher. Thank you, Lord, for the listener, the hearer. Thank you, Lord, for all the components that are here in place today, God. And we are praying, Lord, that the wind of heaven would breathe upon us, Lord. We pray you would speak to every heart and to every mind, every life here today. And may there be transformation. May there be redemption by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we'll give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Elizabeth Smart was 14 years of age in 2002 when she was kidnapped. Uh, Taken in the middle of the night by a man who sliced through the window screen of the bedroom that she shared with her little sister in her family's Salt Lake City home. 
this man pressed the knife against her and he screamed. And if she, he said if she screamed, uh, he told her that he would kill her family. And he would start with her nine-year-old sister, Mary Catherine. As a result, Elizabeth did not scream on this particular uh, day. The man, Brian Mitchell, dragged Elizabeth out of her house and up into the mountains outside the city to an encampment that he shared with his wife, Wanda Barzi. And for nine months, Elizabeth experienced unfathomable and unimaginable abuse and harrowing living conditions. But on March the 12th, 2003, uh, Elizabeth's captors had uh, made the mistake of taking her into a Walmart store to steal some hiking boots for them and some other supplies before returning to their encampment. In the store, in the Walmart store, Elizabeth stopped at a bulletin board where pictures of missing children were posted. And she scanned it quickly for her face looking for uh, some hope that they were still looking for her. And even uh, and as she scanned it for her own face, uh, this individual, Mitchell, he began to press his fingers into her shoulders and pull her away very slowly. And he whispered, or rather he hissed, as one writer said, he hissed into her ear, no one remembers you or cares about you anymore. Uh, and she began to wonder uh, why her picture wasn't up in the Walmart billboard as on this particular day. She thought to herself, have people stopped looking for me already? She began to wonder this. And, and they would go through the, the process of going through this Walmart store on this particular day. And as the story goes, that she had, uh, they had only walked two blocks from this particular Walmart store when uh, out of nowhere it seemed one police car and another, and then yet another began to pull up around uh, Elizabeth Smar and her captor. And the officers jumped out of their squad cars and they began to surround this small group walking down this sidewalk. Elizabeth Smart froze. She froze completely still between wanting to believe that she was now being rescued and then also being terrified of Mitchell and Barzi still within arm's reach of her. And as the story goes, an officer pulled Elizabeth away from her captors and they asked her ever so gently, what is your name? What's your name? Elizabeth's heart began to race. Could she really be about to go home and to see her family? She was sunburned. She was bloated from malnutrition. And she was too dehydrated to cry in this moment of her life. And then again, the officer asked her ever so gently, Are you Elizabeth Smart? Because if you are, your family has missed you so much since you were gone. They want you back. They love you. They want you to come home. No one had called her Elizabeth in the nine months prior to this particular day. Her captors had changed her name to be called Esther. And there's another name that they, uh, they began to call her. They, they tried to change her identity. What she couldn't know was that then was that her parents had never given up searching for her. And they continued to bombard the news outlets with updates and clips 
of home movies of Elizabeth as a child. And someone had recognized Mitchell and Barzee on this particular occasion from an America's Most Wanted episode and they called the police. And then uh, in this particular, uh, and her response to this last questioning and statement uh, uh, of her family to Elizabeth Smart, she finally got the words out and whispered, I am Elizabeth. I am Elizabeth. I'm here today on this Sunday morning to preach about coming out of captivity. Isaiah here writes in the chapter 49 and begins to tell a promise about captives uh, that would be in the Gentile people and how that God was going to one day rescue the Gentile people out of captivity and how that God was going to deliver some people from their oppressors and and from the things that bound them and from the, the enemies of their souls that tried to destroy them today. I don't know if you're here today under the sound of my voice and you feel the enemy in hot pursuit of your family or you feel the enemy in hot pursuit of your mind or in hot pursuit of your soul and you feel, amen, the enemy encroaching upon your life. Hallelujah to others that might be here today and think the devil's got me exactly where he wants me and time has transpired and my identity is not what it used to be when I was in the house of God or I was living right for God. But I'm here to tell you today that there is a deliverer in the house and he's come today to bring you out of your captivity. He's come here today to bring you out of the of the bondage of sin and the chains are going to be broken upon your life in this service this morning. Clap your hands and lift up the name of Jesus with me. Come on, would you clap your hands and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. With your hands, would you lift up your voices and would you talk to Him? Would you begin to worship the Lord? Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you today. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way. You would speak, God, to your people today. Hallelujah. Uh, Elizabeth Smart, amen. This is an American story that happened not just, amen, not too long ago, but this particular individual, this beautiful blonde-haired little girl at 14 years of age, was kidnapped from her own house. Amen. And for nine months underwent torture and unfathomable abuse and, and just the, the worst things that a young girl should ever have to encounter. Hallelujah. But thankful to God that the day came when somebody recognized, amen, the captor. Somebody recognized Mitchell and, and Barzi and they called the police and, and there was deliverance, amen, for this young girl that dealt with many things. Hallelujah. But not always is there justice, amen, that is applied in our world. Not always is there justice that is applied in our world. For instance, our justice system in the United States of America seems more to be a legal maze where the guilty can be found to be innocent. And if you have enough money and you are connected to the right people, hallelujah, then you can get off the hook for any heinous crime that you may have committed. Hallelujah. Take, for instance, just a few years ago, uh, in my recent memory, O.J. Simpson, amen, a man that was accused and there was all these different evidence and 
We can go back and forth. Was he guilty or was he not guilty? But OJ got the best dream team. He got the best group of attorneys that money could buy. And he began to they, they began to work his case. And, and others in our world that I will get into due to po- politics, they begins to show us if you've got the right connections, you can make a farce out of the whole judicial system. Hallelujah. So there are situations that are very clear hey, regarding morals that are defeated by things which are called legal. Hallelujah. For instance, abortion is legal, yet it is still immoral. Whether the government says it's legal or not, abortion is still immoral. Psalms 139 and 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Hallelujah. In other words, God sees the unformed baby in the womb. Hallelujah. Exodus 20 and 13 says, Thou shalt not kill. Amen. One of the Ten Commandments and the foundation of every society, of this God-fearing society. Hallelujah. And so there may be things that are called legal, but they're not right with God. But God is the executor of righteousness. He is the executor of judgment. Hallelujah. But God operates. Hallelujah. In a framework of understanding this type of precept and concept. And even while we live with our own problems and mistakes, there ought to be in our hearts a desire and a drive to be holier than we are. A desire and a drive to be pure than we are. A desire and a drive to be more godly than we are. Not only in precept, but also in practice. Not just in the theoretical realm, but, but also in reality where the, where the rubber meets the road. Hallelujah. There ought to be the application of the, the, uh, the revelation that God's given us to our lives. It's not enough just to know something. It's not enough to say, well, I, I understand how that works. But you've got to put it into practice because... You and I don't really believe something until it becomes a part of our daily life. You can come here today and say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then live however you want to live. You haven't really begun to believe on the Lord Jesus until it affects the way you walk. It affects the way you talk. Hallelujah. What I'm talking today is how that God will deliver someone out of captivity if they will let Him deliver them. Hallelujah. We must live out in the laboratory of life what we have learned in our own personal prayer closet. We must live out in the laboratory of life what we've experienced and what we've received in the church service such as this morning. Hallelujah. You don't really believe it unless you begin to live it out in your daily life. You don't really believe what I'm preaching unless you go out and you begin to live what this crazy preacher is preaching today. Hallelujah. There are too many professing Christians. Amen. But Christians that never live in the reality of God's holy law and ordinance for their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If our Christianity has no practicality to it, then really it is a sham. It's a cover. It's a, it's a fraud. It's a phony. It's artificial. But if your walk with God has practicality to it, if what happens on Sunday morning affects how you live on Monday afternoon, 
righteous. We must grasp the concept that God is holy. And that everything that God does, He must do in the light of judicial honesty. Hallelujah. He must do it in the light of judicial honesty. God cannot take unfair advantage of the devil and try to save us. The Bible says, shall not the righteous judge of all the earth do right? God has an obligation to do right according to his, his person, who he is at the core of who God is. He has an obligation to do what's right and what's amen and, and to do what his law is to fulfill his law, his law and his word in our lives. Amen. We know from the word of God that his word is law. Hallelujah. Thy, thy law, O Lord, is perfect, enlightening the eyes. Hallelujah. His word is law. Amen. If we skip back in our Bible eh, to the beginning pages of our Bible, we read about a man by the name of Adam. Amen. And the Bible says that Adam was in the garden of Eden, him and his wife Eve. And God gave him dominion over all the garden, over every, everything in that land. God gave him dominion over all those things. Adam had legal authority and he had legal right on the earth. But when Adam began to commit high treason in rebellion and subordination against the laws of God, he gave away his earthly authority. And he legally gave his dominion to the devil. Amen. There was a legal transaction that took place in that moment of sin and that moment of severing of the relationship with him and his God. Amen. God essentially had told Adam, Amen, Adam, you've got dominion, but here's how you're going to rule Adam. Amen. All you've got to do, Adam, because I've given you the dominion and I've given you power over this land, all you've got to do, Adam, is open up your mouth. And speak words. Amen. Speak things. Amen. Name the creatures. Amen. Take authority. Take dominion. And just like when I opened up my mouth, Adam, and I speak words, your words will be brought into reality. The shame of the mess in Genesis is that Adam kept his mouth shut. When he was supposed to keep opening his mouth and keep exercising dominion. Hallelujah. Adam became, uh, came across his wife one day and no doubt saw Eve afar off talking to a serpent looking at the tree of temptation. Hallelujah. Adam kept his mouth shut and did not exercise dominion. Adam could very easily have gone to that place where Eve was with the serpent and said, Get out of here, serpent. You don't belong in this place. I'm casting you out. But he kept his mouth shut. His mouth remained closed. Amen. And he failed to exercise dominion. The word of God is that final authority in the earth. In the heavens and beneath the earth. But no word. The word has no power. Listen to me today. Word has no power. If it only remains a thought. If it only remains right here. But never gets to right here. Your hands and your feet. And your mouth. If that word of God stays just in your in your mind, in your heart, but you never apply it to your life. What power does it have? The Bible says 
In John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And, and, and we begin to see that uh, this uh, Jesus, amen, the, the, the God uh, that walked on the face of the earth, amen, was the visible representation of the God of the Old Testament, amen, that thought or that Word or that Logos. Amen. Uh, uh, in John chapter 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word or the thought, the Logos. Amen. It began, uh, it became God. Amen. It was manifested in Jesus Christ. Amen. That thought that was in the mind of God. Amen. When it became a reality. Amen. When it began to take on personal form on this planet is when it began to shake the foundations of every government. It began to shake the foundations of this world. It began to transform lives because the thought that was in the mind of God now became to walk among men. And if you'll let the word of God get in your heart and get in your mind, but don't let it stop there. Let it get into your hands. Let it get into your feet. Let it get into your mouth and begin to walk in authority. Begin to speak the words of truth in your life. You will experience when the word of God begins to work in your heart and in your life a coming out of captivity. Hallelujah. Many people don't know this, but Adam, the Adam of the Adam of the Garden of Eden, he was born again. The only problem was he was born again backwards or in the wrong direction. He went backwards. He was born again. He he went from being a son of God to being a son of the devil with his act of treason and rebellion. And in that, in the process of his rebellion, his sin, and Eve's sin, and him partaking, and all the mess that happened in the Garden of Eden, Adam then became a lawful captain of Satan, captive of Satan. He was a legal and judicially captured man. And that means that everything that would be born of Adam's loins would be born captured, would be born legally captured. It would be born a captive, a slave to, amen, the, the, the serpent, a slave to Satan, a slave to the enemy. Hallelujah. And this began a, this began a, the, the, the story, the, the process of redemption. As in the mind of God, the Bible says, before the foundations of the world, amen, there was a lamb that was slain. Hallelujah. There was a lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Or in the thought, in the mind of God, he already envisioned, amen, redemption and what it would look like. It would look like a lamb sacrificed for the sins of humanity. Hallelujah. And this process of redemption, it required, amen, that man have an equivalent, amen, but not just an equivalent, also a spotless sacrifice to purchase his redemption. Amen. You cannot satisfy divine justice with an inferior species. Amen. That was inadequate for the sins of humanity to be blotted away with the blood of bulls and of goats. As the Bible says, there had to be a spotless man. Amen. That would come onto the seed and say, I'll take the sins of the world upon my shoulders. I'll purchase their redemption. I'll redeem them from their sins. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. 
Blood has always been the legal, the legal liquid for sin. Blood has always been the, the method of redemption for lost humanity throughout every dispensation of, of Scripture. Blood was required, amen, to cover the sins of humanity. Hallelujah. Blood was required. And in 2020, the blood is applied to your life in the waters of baptism. Hallelujah. As you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Bible says that there is a process of redemption. And it looks like repentance. It looks like water baptism in Jesus' name and the infill of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You cannot satisfy divine justice with an inferior species. Hallelujah. God is looking for some hearts and some lives here on this Sunday morning that say, God, you're looking for me today. You're looking for a surrendered heart today. I'll not offer my son or daughter in my place. I'll not offer my wife or my husband in your place. I'll not offer money to pay the bill to pay off the Lord in my place. But I'll offer my heart that is fully surrendered, fully committed. And I'm saying, God, here's everything I've got. I'm surrendering. I'm giving myself. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Acts 2 and 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It still is the only way. It still is the only way is to be repented, baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But there is another side to the coming out of captivity that I'm going to talk about for a moment today. There is another side of coming out of captivity. There is the initial phase of when the captive is delivered from his or her captors. And there's a, there's a time of rejoicing and there's a time of celebration and, and hugging and kissing and, and celebrating and just thanking God and, and, and being with family and being with friends and being reunited. It's a wonderful, beautiful occasion. And we have people, amen, that are filled with the Holy Ghost in this church and baptized in Jesus' name. We're going to rejoice. Amen. We're going to thank God that they're saved and born again of water and spirit. Just like Elizabeth Smart, amen, had a time of celebrating with her family and community and friends and everyone that had looked into her, her disappearance and celebrated uh, in that grand occasion, her, her coming out of captivity. But it began a second part of the process of moving through life and dealing with the past and the memories and the hurts and the hangups and all the things that took place while being captive. We preach many messages about the prodigal son. And we talk about how that it is a beautiful time and it still is. How that the prodigal, amen, came home to the father's house. And the Bible says that the father sitting there maybe on the porch and looking out, seeing his son a little bit of a ways off. He began to get out of his, his easy chair and began to run towards that prodigal son. He began to hug his neck and kiss him. And he put a robe around his neck. And the Bible says that he commanded everyone to get together for a party. 
and he killed the fatted calf and they celebrated and the, uh, the other brother began to get jealous and he began to look and say well man I've been here a long time and you've never done that for me and we can move through the story but when the party was over the prodigal son still had mud under his fingernails and filth under his feet from the pig's pen that he was playing in and feeding in that, that trough of sin that he was feeding in. And even after the party was over, he still had a lot of work to do when he came back to the father's house. And here's where I want to talk just for another few moments. Was this prodigal son, even though he made the great leap to come back to the father's house. And it mustered all the courage that he had within him to come back. And to lay his life before his father and say, Father, forgive me. Amen. I don't deserve to be called your son. And I'm a mess. And, and all the things. I don't even want to tell you all my past and all the despicable things I did. But would you just restore me to the father's house? Amen. The day after the party, the prodigal son still had the baggage and the issues upon his life. And, and he had to, to still wear that. He still wore that badge of being a prodigal son. And he had to move through life. And I don't know how many years it was that he lived in sin. And, and he just lived up and, and used up all of his inheritance. Amen. But he had to begin a process of completing the coming out of captivity part of his life. And here's where the church is a lot of times. Amen. God has filled you with the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet you've still got the mud under your fingernails. You've still got the dirt between your toes. Amen. Your back's still filthy from the mud flying up behind you. And there's the issues and the weights and the things that we carry with us. And God is saying, whether you're still in sin, I'll deliver you. Whether you've come out of sin, I've delivered you. I will help you to be completely whole again. But it takes the prodigal son getting up on Monday morning. What a great service we had yesterday. Man, God was so strong. Oh, got a message here from my ex-girlfriend. Oh, I got a message here from my old drug dealer. Oh, I got a message here from, oh man. And those things begin to creep back up. And God says, are you an overcomer? Yes, hallelujah. Yes, I'm an overcomer. God says, did I give you the Holy Ghost? Yes, you've given me the Holy Ghost. Is your name Elizabeth Smart? She had to say, yes. If she would have, in fear, said, no, that must be someone else, she would have stayed in her sin, stayed in her captivity. But when you respond and you say, God, I am an overcomer. I'm a child of God. I'm a son and a daughter of God. You saved me. God, I'm going to come out of this sin. And God, as I move through the next days, months, weeks, years of my life, 
I'll make this commitment that I will continue to come out of captivity. I will continue to come out of captivity. I will not stay in my past always. It will not be the same things that trip me up over and over and over again. Amen. The issues that you dealt with as when you were in sin before the Lord saved you. And some of you are still dealing with those things. And God said, I saved you. But you've got to walk out of the captivity. You've got to be the one that says, God, I refuse to be bound with this sin anymore. I refuse to allow the enemy of my soul to whisper into my ear, you're still an addict. You're still a hopeless drunk. You're still a promiscuous individual. You're still a liar. You're still a cheater. You're still a gambler. You've got to be the one that says, God, I'm an overcomer. And I'm going to come out. By the power of the Holy Ghost. The prodigal son was initiated back. But he had to work on the rest with the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm here to tell you today. Each and every day that you wake up. Hallelujah. Regardless of what happens in church on Sunday. The next day you've got to be the one that says. God by your grace. I'm going to live out the faith that I received on Sunday. I'm going to live out the things that you deposited children of Israel come out of Egypt but it began a process amen you see all the struggles that Israel had in the wilderness for 40 years as God dealt with the Moses and God dealt with the people and the issues that they struggled with for year after year after year and they battled with it because though they were delivered from Egypt they were in the process of coming out of captivity and that's where a lot of us are today we are still coming out of captivity Amen. And you've got to be able to identify the lies of hell against you. You've got to be able to identify, amen, when it's you and when it's the devil and when it's God speaking. Hallelujah. Because anytime the devil speaks, it's one of condemnation and one that calls you to be further from where God wants you to be. But if God is speaking, he's wooing, he's drawing, he's bridging the gap. Stand with me today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands one more time in this place? Jesus. Jesus, deliver us. 
Jesus, deliver us from the old vices of sin. The grip of hell upon our mind. Deliver us from our previous thinking. Deliver me, God, from the thoughts that used to rule my mind. Set me free. Set me free. When the enemy, the enemy begins to whisper into your ear, begins to lie to you and tell you things that are not true. You need to be like every educated defendant in the United States of America. And tell him those four words. Talk to my attorney. Talk to my attorney, devil. Hallelujah. I don't have to sit here and defend myself to the devil and have this discourse with hell. Hallelujah. Talk to my attorney. Hallelujah. I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Talk to my attorney. Is a cry of many souls. Hallelujah. Of course, you are everything that God wants you to be yet. Hallelujah. You're not everything that God wants you to be yet. But you are in a different kingdom. And you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The Bible says he is the attorney. He is the attorney at law. And when the enemy begins to whisper doubts and fears into your mind, talk to my attorney. Jesus has declared me righteous. I've been repentant of my sins. I ask God to wash me. I've been water baptized in His name. Devil, that's my past. I've come out of that. I've been delivered. And now I'm coming out of captivity. But you messed up yesterday. But you got to a fight with your spouse. But you fell into sin yesterday. Devil, I'm coming out of captivity. But you're a fake. You're a phony. You're a hypocrite. You're inconsistent. No, I'm coming out of my captivity. I'm being delivered from the old mindset, the old life. And I am becoming what he wants me to become. Jesus, right now in this place, I pray, Lord, that the hand of God would touch every mind in this house right now. I pray the name of Jesus over every mind that the enemy's been working on. Every heart that the enemy's been infiltrating. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. If the Lord carries another three months and I get to New Year's Eve, I will not be the same being as I am now. I will go forward. I will become more than God has for me to become. I will be involved more. I will be more anointed. I will be more consecrated. I will be more committed. I will be more of a soul winner. I'll have more of Christ in my life. I am coming out of captivity. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice. Lift him up this morning. Come on, I need somebody to help me pray. Reach out to him this morning. Reach out right now. Reach out right now. Reach out right now. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I set you free. I speak life. I speak deliverance.
deliverance. I speak deliverance. I pray redemption would take place in somebody's life today. If you're here and you feel the pull of the tongue and the Holy Ghost, I invite you to come. This altar's open. Somebody's going to receive redemption from the Father. Somebody's going to receive what they need from God. Come on, this altar's open.